When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching episode 241 of the Lax Factor podcast. I am your host, Ted Houston. Today, we're going to recap some games that took place uh, between Sunday and Tuesday of this week. And we'll probably start doing this more often where the games I don't get to talk about in Sunday's show uh, that were played up to Wednesday, I'll talk about them. So we're going to talk about the North Carolina and Ohio State game. We'll talk about how uh, Princeton did last night and how Brown fared last night as well as some other games. And then we're going to preview all of the games that are coming up this weekend. Before I get into it, new sponsor, me. Uh, you can go to laxfactor.com now. Finally, I've put this back together again. Uh, back in the day, I did sell team gear and that was the original uh, cre- reason Lax Factor was a thing. So you can go to laxfactor.com. You can actually see the team gear over the years over the years that I made and I designed for a variety of teams here. And uh, now we're back in the business of printing team uniforms and everything is being manufactured in the United States of America. So you can go to laxfactor.com. You can request a quote. You can contact me via social media, all that crap. Let me know if you have team gear needs and you want me to be the one to help you out. And I actually designed them and everything. And then we have them printed here in the United States uh, by Americans for Americans, or, you know, we'll print, we'll print, uh, ship crap overseas as well. So go to laxfactor.com and then you can also support the podcast that way as well. But let's stop wasting time. Let us dive into the first game I wanted to talk about. This was a Sunday game against North Carolina and Ohio State. And at the time this game was played, Carolina and Ohio State weren't ranked where they are now. Now Ohio State's coming in at number eight, and Carolina, uh, on the heels of playing well in this game and being two and one, they're now number 12 in the country. But what happened in this game was Carolina played around early with controlling this game. They had a delicate lead at four. Uh, at uh, 5-12 left in the second half, Logan McGovern scored unassisted. That gave Carolina a 4-2 lead. And then they would actually hold that lead overall for about a half hour. Because as you see here, Scott White would get uh, UN, uh, Ohio State back to within a goal. Richie LaCalandra would score from Jack Myers to tie things up with 13-25 left in the fourth. And then Ohio State didn't take their first lead of the game until Kyle Borda scored unassisted with 8.08 left in the fourth. And then he scored about a minute and a half later unassisted again to give Ohio State a 6-4 lead. And then that was all she wrote. Knox, uh, Jason Knox scored the, the true dagger goal before they let Ty English uh, of Carolina score one more unassisted goal with only 3.53 left. So you see the, the story of this game was defensive adjustments for North Carolina. They gave up what was it here? Uh, North Carolina gave up just seven shots on cage through the entire second half. And they had given up 17 shots, just general shots in the second quarter alone. Ohio State did. So Carolina takes 17 shots in the second quarter. 
and and Ohio State's defense clamped down and only gave up 19 shots all of the second half, and they only allowed seven of those to be on cage. And then Skyler Walland, he played a hell of a game for Ohio State. He ends up with 12 saves against just five goals against. He made three saves in each quarter, but the key here, he made six uh, saves against seven shots on cage here, only giving up that one goal in the second half. So that was huge. Uh, Ohio State, Jack Myers, Richie LaCalandra, and Ed Sheen all scored a goal and a helper. Walland, like I said, 12 saves versus five goals against. For Carolina, Logan McGovern was one and one. Colin Krieg was very good in cage. 13 saves against eight goals against, but that Ohio State offense, they get a few more uh, let's say stress-free possessions after the defense picked up some, you know, continued to get stops across the third quarter. Their offense started clicking, playing a little bit better, and you see that five-goal run right here between the third quarter and the fourth quarter that Ohio State went on to give them the victory here. So we'll get into what's next for each of these teams here a little bit later. Uh, I want to move on to talk now about Princeton. Uh, I had a buddy text me out of the blue and said, man, is Manhattan a sleeping giant? And he was playing on Al, uh, Al the, the college across forum. I, I suspect he was playing on Al, always calling teams like Michigan and Manhattan and them sleeping giants or whatnot. So I think he was kind of clowning on Al a little bit. Nothing against Al. Al is awesome. And what he's done with the Facebook college lacrosse discussion group or whatever it is, is incredible to get that many people together talking about college across. But moral of the story here, Manhattan plays Navy to a really tough game a week ago. Now they're playing number three, Princeton. And now Princeton isn't number three in my, yeah, they are number three in my poll. They will not probably be number three in my poll anymore. Uh, and that's not because I don't believe that Manhattan is for real. I do think Manhattan is for real overall. It's just that Princeton hasn't put away these these teams. And if you're the number three team in the country, you need to be able to put your first two, you know, games against non-conference opponents away and granted they did win this game but it took an eight to two third quarter after struggling Manhattan went into the half up five to four uh, unranked on the number three team in the country in Princeton and you see how it started three unanswered goals to start the game here capped by Kevin Jaff Princeton, Alexander, Alexander, Alex Vardaro, he scores one assisted by Sam English, but then Manhattan answers right away, take a 4-1 lead. And then Princeton, you could tell over the course of the second quarter, they started to get their crap together. And you see Princeton ends up scoring after going down 4-1. Princeton scores, what is it, uh, six of the game's next seven goals to take that 7-5 lead you know, early in the third quarter. And while uh, Manhattan would kind of try to chip away to stay at it and not got, get buried, slow burn to victory here. Princeton takes another four-goal run here over the course of the third, second half of the third quarter, and, and that's all she wrote. But, man, credit Manhattan. Credit one of the craziest goalies here. One of the reasons I didn't think Manhattan was going to be killer this year and have another solid season was because they lost their goalkeeper. But, man, this Joseph Persico, this kid is playing ball. 17 saves against just 14 goals against. The kid has stood on his head in every game that Manhattan has played so far. So credit to him for keeping Manhattan in these games. Credit to Manhattan for being able to put points up here. Uh, Kyle Gukwa, what the hell kind of name is that? I mean, hey, listen, I don't want to slam your family or whatnot, but Gukwa, that's a weird one. I wonder what, he's got to have a nickname, you would assume. But he has three helpers, Liam Walsh, 0-2, uh, Sean Shelko, 2-0. So you see Manhattan putting points up while their defense is getting them stops, and that's keeping them in these games. Alex Vardaro, four, four goals off uh, five shots, excellent game. Alex Slusher, two and one. Christian Ronda, one and two. So, I mean, 
Colter Maxey had a great game, 3-0. So you see that Princeton, they're playing okay. They're splitting time in cage, it looks like here, and both goalies played okay for Princeton. The kicker just being a... To, to, for them to hold that number three, there's teams that I think are better overall than what Princeton has shown in their first two games. So I'll probably drop them down in my rankings a little bit, depending on what they do in this upcoming weekend. But that is that. The next one I wanted to talk about quick here was Brown and Providence. Now, Providence gave Brown problems. It was close. Uh, Providence had a 3-2 lead at the end of the first. They were down 6-4 to Brown uh, at halftime, and then Brown went on a four-zip run over the third quarter to to secure the victory. But still, once again, Brown, a team that many had ranked in their first polls, including me, I dropped them out as soon as I could re-vote in the end. I actually took them out of my own poll the week before the media poll voted again or whatnot. But uh, for Providence, Michael Chabra, four goals. Ryan Bell, three assists. For Brown, Devin McLean, baby, two goals, three helpers, five points. Logan Path, two and one. And then in cage here, we see uh, the Providence goalie, 16 saves, 13 assists. Uh, Corasaniti? Corasaniti? I don't know how to say that. Connor Theralt, people's goalie, eight eight saves against, seven goals against. Theralt, not quite as as stout in cage as he was a year ago with a senior-laden defense in front of him. Brown has a young defense. So I think they'll eventually kind of put it together and start playing better lacrosse overall. I'm just not sure they're going to end up ranked because, man, their schedule is just absolutely brutal here. You know, these are their two easy games. They got Vermont coming up. Vermont is a good team. Stony Brook is a tough out. Then they got Carolina, Harvard, UMass, Villanova, all tough draws. Princeton, Penn, Yale, Cornell, Bryant, and Dartmouth. It doesn't get easy again until they get, well, And I mean, who knows? Bryant's pretty tough. And then Dartmouth, you know, we have we don't know enough to, to know yet. So Brown, they pull out the win, but it wasn't easy. Now, the games that I want to talk about this weekend, the I think this is probably the biggest game now. I actually had bumped Ohio State up in my rankings at the time we voted. Ohio State was 2-0. and They'd come off beating two mediocre teams. But the kicker here was I, I still believed in what they put on the field on defense. Skylar Wallen has been playing very good in cage for them. Thus far, he's got a 59% save percentage. They're not killing it at the faceoff dot overall. Eh, Drew Blanchard is kind of killing it. The kicker just being they haven't played great competition yet. So... I'm really high on Ohio State. Apparently, the people who actually vote in the poll with me are not as high on Ohio State because they actually dropped from six to eight despite winning because uh, everybody else, you know, frog jump, Penn, Loyola, Yale in front of them. So to me, this is the biggest game of the weekend because Virginia's still number one, not the unanimous number one. There's somebody out there that gave Notre Dame a number one vote. Uh, so, you know, but, but, Virginia got 24 of the 25. No, actually, there's someone gave Loyola a number one vote as well. So I don't know who's drinking the green Kool-Aid, uh, thinking that Loyola you know, deserves to be the number one team at this stage. But yeah, so Virginia got all but two of the number one votes. Notre Dame got another and Loyola got another. So to me, this one's important because I think if even if Ohio State loses, if they can keep pace and make this game interesting, I think that they should probably be a top five team, and I think they legitimately are, hence me, as you can see here. If I throw my poll up here, you can see I had in my – this is the official poll that I put into 
uh, into inside lacrosse. So you can see here, I have Ohio State at number five. Uh, other people did not agree with that assessment that I that I had here. So anyway, moral of my story, I think this is going to be the game of the weekend. I'm looking forward to watching this bad boy. It's 7 p.m. too. It's the nightcap on Saturday. So that means I'll be I'll have my uh, late late evening hangover as I call it, working by then. That's usually I usually watch that game from the table, the kitchen table on my laptop. After you know being in the basement all night away from the family, I try to present myself to everybody come Saturday evening. So I'll watch that on the laptop upstairs. But what we have here is Jack Myers and his team against Connor Schellenberger and his team. And why I like this matchup from an attack perspective, Virginia's got the better attack, but Ohio State has Jack Myers. Richie LaCalandra has played well in their first three games as well, so they have offensive weapons. You know, I, I definitely lean a little bit into Virginia in terms of the overall offensive makeup. Only kicker being, I think Ohio State's flowed a little better, and I think Virginia's looked a little bit shaky uh, on offense, other than against Harvard. I mean, in their in Virginia's first win, they looked shaky on offense. In their second win against Harvard, they did not look shaky at all, and they absolutely just wrecked shit. So, uh, but what I do like is I think Ohio State's defense. I think Ohio State has one of the best three person defensive units in the country. Skylar Walland is playing really tough in cage. So that's what I end up liking about about Ohio State in this matchup is I think that their defense can can hang tight here. Who do who do we got here? We got Marcus Hudgens on defense. Uh actually if I I didn't bring it up here to go through and see, but let's go uh cause turnovers. Let's see. Hudgens has three cause turnovers. Um, Justin Scherer has two cause turnovers. Greg Langermeyer, uh, uh, short stick D mid, he's got three cause turnovers. You know, so if you go up and down the roster defensively, these guys are good. Bobby Van Buren on defense for Ohio State, you can't go wrong there. Albeit he doesn't have a bunch of turnovers, but he does have uh, uh, a bunch of ground balls. So anyway. Moral of the story, I think Ohio State can hang. I think that they probably have to do a decent job against LaSala. When you see the stats here, you see LaSala's only winning 59% compared to Drew Blanchard's 69%, but that, that's going to be a 50-50 battle. I think LaSala probably gets the a slight edge in terms of winning the draws. What's going to happen is, is LaSala going to put up two goals again? LaSala's already got four goals in two games, so is he going to score goals and win faceoffs? you know, by a slight edge, or is he just going to win faceoffs by a slight edge and they're going to keep him off the off the scoreboard? That's going to be huge. We've seen, I think so far this year, faceoff men and goalkeepers proving making sure you have a good goalie and a good faceoff man are all important. Syracuse learned uh, that Richie USA was not a good faceoff man compared to Weirman, and they got beat by three goals despite winning almost no draws in that game. But when you look at how that game went, if Maryland even loses just five more faceoffs, they probably that that's probably a tie game going into overtime by the end. So faceoffs and goalies, they're the name of the game. Virginia's got one of the best faceoff men. Both teams have goalies that are playing well. As you can see, uh, Matthew Nunes is playing well here, 50% overall. Not as well as he probably should be that Harvard game, man. He got they got lit up in that second half here. So that probably dragged that down a little bit on him. But anyway, big game right here. I rambled about that one an awful lot here. The next game that I want to talk about is Georgetown and Notre Dame. We talked about this on Sunday. Who would have thought you'd see a world in which Georgetown could end up 0-4? They have that loss to Hopkins. They really could not afford that loss. Then they turn around and lose to Penn. That one didn't surprise me. Penn gives them problems. They played Penn last year. And what did they play uh, uh, Penn lost to Georgetown by two goals last year. 
So Penn returns the favor. Georgetown loses to Penn this year by two. But now they've got Notre Dame, Princeton, and then Richmond. So I like their chances, and I think they win this Richmond and High Point game. I think they probably beat Lehigh and Denver. They probably beat Providence. You know, once they get through this first four games, then their schedule lightens up quite a bit. The problem for Georgetown is going to end up being once you get through these first four games – your chances to pick up quality wins that are going to get you into the NCAA tournament go down drastically. So if they can't beat Notre Dame this weekend and then they can't beat Princeton and they really do start 0-4, they could probably win out the rest of the season and still not get into the NCAA tournament without winning their tournament. That's going to be the key for Georgetown. They can still get an automatic qualifier, but if Georgetown's struggling and they're not the team that I thought they were, then winning that tournament, winning the Big East tournament, isn't a given for them. And, I mean, if they don't win the Big East tournament if and they lose these two games here, they do not get in the NCAA tournament. I don't think a, a Georgetown that wins one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games, give them a tenth game for a semifinals Big East win and then another loss, I don't think a 10 and or 11 and 5 <clears throat> Georgetown that started 0 and 4. I don't think they get into the NCAA tournament, but this is going to be a big game. Can somebody other than Tucker Dordovic or Graham Bundy Jr. put points up? And I mean, even Graham Bundy Jr. hasn't been doing it in, in huge amounts. Brian Minikis, uh, another transfer, he's the Colgate transfer. He's been tough too, but you look, Nikki Solomon, transfer from Carolina, who's expected to do big things, has done almost nothing. Jacob Kelly, another transfer from Carolina, has done almost nothing. Uh, we look at Declan McDermott and TJ Haley, both huge players from last year's team. They've both got zero points so far. So as I said before, what good is all these bright, shiny transfers if you're leaving the guys that got you, you know, that, that, that returned, you're leaving them in the lurch and they're not getting involved. And then the guys that you brought in as transfers aren't doing what you expect them to do. Very Now, granted, they have lost to Hopkins, who's a good team, and they lost to Penn, who we presume is a very good team. But So they're not losing to chumps. But the fact is, I expected them to easily be 2-2 two and two over this four-game stretch, if not 3-1. and one over this four-game stretch, and right now they're 0-2, staring 0-4, you know, straight in the eyes here, you know, close talking. They're close talking to 0-4 right now, uh, and uh, they need to they need to pull their heads out of their asses. Defensively, they've been playing okay. It's, it's legitimately offensively that most of their problems have come. If we look at the goalie battle here, Entman in Notre Dame's first two games has been not very good for Entman. Entman hopefully is going to be that big game player for Notre Dame. They, they, they're going to need him to be better to win a game against Georgetown like this. And then Hanks has been about as good as I thought. I think that if the offense could get anything going and they could start putting some pressure on the opposing team's offenses, I think that's going to be good for Hanks. So I think the fact that they're 0-2 and Hanks is still sitting here at 54%, that's a good sign, at least for Georgetown. But this this offense has to figure it out. I'm not putting it on anybody other than the offense uh, of Georgetown, they got to figure it out, or Notre Dame is going to put them at 0-3, and we'll see how that goes overall. And Notre Dame right now in the poll is number two, and uh, Georgetown right now in the poll is number 17, and that's where they will rank heading into this matchup here. Another game, and this this also could be coined as the game of the week here. We've got Penn, who's sitting right now at number seven in the poll. I had him at number six playing Duke, who is now number 14 in the poll. I had them at number 10. And what this one comes down to, 
which Duke offense is going to take the field. Is it going to be the offense that lights it up, or is it going to be the offense that has a little bit of struggle, a little bit, you know, minor struggles gelling and shooting the rock here? They have been shooting the rock well. Uh, lately here as we're looking at Brendan O'Neill, 36%, Andrew McAdory, 36%, Dyson Williams, 52%. The kicker for them is just being consistent, getting those looks over and over and over again here. Duke had a good one, uh, a good outing against Denver. And I didn't talk about this game last weekend, and people noticed here, where Brendan O'Neill ties the game to force overtime, and then he comes out and he scores the game winner, the overtime goal. So credit to O'Neal for just tearing it up. One of the best in the country by far. That blemish against Jacksonville. I mean, right now Duke's sitting here thinking, like, if we could just get that game back on the road at Jacksonville, then they'd be probably looking after winning against Denver. Granted, they hadn't beat anybody, but I think they'd just about be in the top five if they were sitting here at 4-0, and and that loss against Jacksonville hurts. They can turn things around, though, and pick up a very high-quality win here against Penn. And as you see Duke's schedule as it kind of goes down the list here, you got Penn, Syracuse. Duke is just hoping Syracuse stays above 500 so that the win counts for something. Loyola, Carolina. So, I mean, Duke's got a really rough stretch here after starting out pretty easy other than that loss to Jacksonville. Denver gave them a little bit of a scare at home. Uh, now they got Penn, Syracuse, Loyola, Carolina. That's a rough stretch. Then Air Force, usually tough on Duke. St. Joseph's, I mean, so Duke's schedule is brutal here through the rest of the season for the most part. Uh, so for Penn, you know, Cam Rubin last week in their, in their win, four, uh, he, he put up four, go- or, yeah, four goals, uh, Gergar, one and two. Sam Handley was quiet, six shots. He had one goal and a helper in that win. They're going to need him to do a little bit more. But the key here, Penn won. Penn played a brilliant defensive game against a struggling offensively Georgetown. Uh, so good good crap here overall. Faceoff is going to be the real battle. Chris Arceri played well against Georgetown and Riley. Jake Naso is a semi-killer at the faceoff dot. So that battle is going to be important. And then Emmett Carroll had an incredible game against Georgetown, absolutely robbing them. If he can come out and he can make 18 saves again against Duke, then Penn probably wins this ball game. But Helm will helm the transfer. He's been solid in cage as well for Duke with 54% uh, between the pipes. And, you know, Duke hasn't played, I don't think, the, the, the schedule so far that Penn has with their one win over Georgetown. So in this one, oh man, do I got to pick winners here? And and with the betting crap, holy crap, man, I am my DraftKings account is at 0 after last week um because I did some revenge betting on hockey uh after getting just devastated in lacrosse the last two weekends. I did some revenge betting in hockey. So I'm not even going to cover the lines this week. I will get back into that next week. I had a lot of crap to do here with getting the website set up, you know, for the new apparel launch and all that crap. So yeah, uh, but in this one here, I'm going to have to go through and then actually pick these, uh, pick winners here, but I'm going to take Duke to win this one because I do have to keep with my my uh, my my picks and I didn't pick the first three, so I'm going to go back, but I'm going to pick, pick Duke to win this one by a narrow margin. I think that this is going to be in the area of one or two goal win for Duke. And then let's just rip through real quick and let's, uh, I'm going to pick, I think actually Notre Dame is going to make Georgetown 0-3. Uh, so I'm going to go with Georgetown again in a close game, one or two goal margin here. I am going to also take Vir- I'm going to take Virginia over Ohio State. Close game, one and two. So so far, first three games I've talked about, I think it's going to be a one or two goal spread between them. Now the next game I want to talk about Rutgers and Loyola. Rutgers coming off a loss to Army, where Army 
kind of show, like Rutgers defense had played tough so far, but they hadn't really played anybody. Who'd they play? They played Marist Marist and Stony Brook, and Stony Brook gave them a little bit more trouble than I thought they might. So that loss to Army, what I think that showed is that the Rutgers defense is not as stout as it was a year ago, and that was something that we assumed was going to happen. We, we saw the Rutgers offense was able to keep pace despite the fact their defense struggled overall in this game. Uh, they were just they, they just couldn't win in the shootout or whatnot. And what I think we learned about Army in this game is Army's got some shooters. Army opened this game up by nailing some outside shots. And then what ended up happening here, yeah, we see Kyle Mullen. He struggled on the day. So Army ended up shooting from outside and stuck some, uh, you know, at some point in this game. And that caused Rutgers defense to have to extend. And then Army was able to now stop shooting from out from deep. And they were able to kind of just run by their guys as, as the defense expanded and kind of came out to cover everybody. You saw a lot of of uh, army guys running past their men face dodges you know kind of setting up those hey i'm gonna light one up nope i'm not i'm gonna face dodge and go by you so that helps so we saw the army hey they're gonna have some dodgers and they have some guys that can shoot to try to keep those defenses honest so army's going to hope they can keep that going for Rutgers, they just need to be a little bit better defensively, and they hope they can get a slightly better game out of Kyle Mullen. I think there was some some of the shots from downtown that Army scored. I think you'd like your goalkeeper to, to make those saves, and that makes the difference in this game overall. Uh, at the face-off dot, what happened in that one? Coletti has been very good for Army so far. All right, now I'm talking about Army, and I'm not supposed to be. I'm supposed to be talking about Rutgers and Loyola. So if we look at the goalie battle, no doubt that Luke Stout is the better goalie or is playing better than Kyle Mullen at this point. So edge Loyola in that one. We look at the face-off battle. Definitely Joe Newman and uh, Jonathan Dugenio are doing a better job so far than uh, Pacheco has done for Loyola. So credit to them. So, you know, boom. Now we've got kind of a wash between the faceoff dot and the goalkeeper, two very important positions in this game. So what it comes down to, Loyola's defense is certainly, certainly right now playing better than Rutgers' defense is. Um, but I say but, I think that Rutgers' offense is a little bit more explosive. I think this is going to be a hell of a game. Go right down to the wire. But I'm going to, I'm going to go with Loyola. Once again, I think it's going to be another close game. We're going to get back to that point where a, a bunch of these games are going to be one, two, three goal games. I'm going to go with Loyola by one to two goals again. I think that so far, I, there's a reason I picked these games to talk about first, and it's because I thought they were going to be the better games of the weekend. So I think Loyola will edge Rutgers on the road in this one. I think right now, defensively, Loyola is playing like the best team in the country. A lot of people were wondering about the midfield, uh, the short stick midfield, like the defensive midfield unit's depth for Loyola. And Mustang Sally, the transfer from Richmond, has panned out because we already knew. Let's get up here and let's bring up Loyola's stats. I wish I had theirs so I could sort them. But um, we already knew Peyton Rizanka was going to have a hell of a season here. And so far he's got what? Two, two assists, four cause turnovers, three ground balls. But it's been Mustang Sally playing beside him that has been incredible, along with Cam Wires and the rest of this defense. And then, like I said, with, with, the, uh, with Stout playing as well as he's played in cage for Loyola, this may be one of the best defensive teams in the country right now. Loyola's playing defensively in a manner that I thought Georgetown should be, and they're doing it thus far against good teams, you know, beating Maryland 12 to 7 and then turning around and beating Hopkins 13 to 8. Not even close games. That Hopkins game, they blew them out and they were winning what did I say? 11 to 3 
at one point or 11 to two at one point before they, you know, gave up some goals and let Hopkins get back. And similarly with Maryland, I mean, they handled that game, get the W. So I like Loyola here to beat Rutgers in this one again by a one or two goal spread. Another game that should be really solid is Maryland. The Terps hitting the road against Princeton and thus far goalie battle. Logan McNaney out. Teddy Dolan played decent against Syracuse. I mean, it's the first action he's seen as a Terp. He had to be pretty nervous. He's playing against Syracuse, a team you know from upstate New York that he's familiar with, being uh, that he played his ball in upstate New York for Binghamton. I think he did have a good game against Syracuse. Someone was telling me in 2019, although I didn't think he was the goalie that year. Either way, Maryland facing Princeton at Princeton right now. Rackhauer, and actually I think these guys have been splitting time, if I'm not mistaken. So both goalies right now are playing pretty solid, and Teddy Dolan's going to be a net for Maryland. I, I believe in Dolan. I think Dolan, by the end of the season, is going to have a, a plus 50% save percentage overall. And then at the faceoff dot, it all comes down to Luke Weirman here. You know, whatever Dolan, you know, for whatever struggles Dolan has, Luke Weirman's going to, for the most part, make up for it. Now, Tyler Sandoval, no chump. He's taken the bulk of Princeton's face off. Kobe Ginder has gotten in and taken some as well. I presume Ginder's only gotten that many draws because uh, Princeton's won both of their games and they wanted to blow out in the previous game. Sandoval's a very good face-off man overall. He is not Luke Weirman, though. I expect Weirman probably is going to win 65 to 70% of the draws in here. They want to keep him off the scoreboard is, is going to be key for them. But overall... Uh, I think Maryland's going to beat Princeton here. I think Princeton has showed a little bit of weakness, not just defensively, which I expected them to have some struggles with, but offensively as well. And finding flow, I think Maryland right now, after beating Syracuse uh, and losing to Loyola, I think that they're going to have a little bit of flow offensively against Syracuse. They looked a lot better, and I don't think Princeton is leaps and bounds better than Syracuse between the Syracuse defense playing better and Wilmark and Cage. So I think you're going to see Maryland win. Surprise, a very close game, one to two goal, two goal game in favor of Maryland. And uh, if Princeton can't pull this out, I'm probably getting close to dropping them down from where I had them at number three. I'll probably drop them to somewhere 9, 10, 11, somewhere in that range, despite winning against Manhattan and pulling that out. I feel like they haven't performed against the lower-level teams thus far, so a loss to Maryland drops Penn, uh, Princeton out of the top 10, in my opinion. A win against Maryland, I probably keep them right where they are. Um, I don't like Cornell and Princeton where I have them. If you see here, I have Cornell at uh, two and Princeton at three. And right now, I don't feel good about either of those picks, but I don't feel like I can yank either of those teams out of those spots, any of these teams out of these spots here until they lose. And I mean, that goes for everybody in my top seven at this point. I feel like I've got our top eight. Let's call it my top eight. I feel like that's the order that I'm going to keep these teams in unless something gross happens, even in a victory, like where like, you know, Cornell didn't play great against Albany last week. Probably. I should have dropped them a little bit. Princeton didn't play great against Manhattan. So even if they, you know, beat Maryland, does that mean that they still deserve the number three spot, assuming Notre Dame wins? So yeah, I don't know. I, I guess what I would do is if if we're gonna talk about the the, the Notre Dame or we already talked about Notre Dame and Georgetown. If Notre Notre Dame beats Georgetown, I probably bump Notre Dame up into two or three, depending on how Cornell and Princeton play this weekend here. And then same thing here if Ohio State can beat Virginia. We've got a new number one, in my opinion, here. So anyway, that's it for that one. Maryland-Princeton, I pick Maryland by a goal or two. Syracuse hosting North Carolina at the Dome. I 
I think this one's going to what, what North Carolina has proven is that offensively they can hang. They did struggle against Ohio State, but they were playing on slightly short rest. You know, they had like two game two days less to prepare and to rest for this game, I think, than Ohio State did. And in the end, uh I I this is going to be like a, a dog. This could be a dog fight. Now, granted, this could go very poorly for either team as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see Syracuse come out and win by a margin. I wouldn't be surprised to see North Carolina come out and win by a margin. We just don't know enough about either of these teams yet to know where they're really going to fall. I think uh, Vegas has Syracuse as a, a goal and a half favorite at home. I think that's a little bit steep for them. But once again, Carolina. Ugh, I don't know. I think Syracuse is going to be able to keep pace with them, and I think it's going to be one of those shootouts. I think that both teams are going to probably be above 12 goals, and what it's going to come down to, I think, in the end, Will Mark in cage, obviously. Uh, both goalies have been playing really well. Will Mark at 64%, Colin Krieg at 67%. Mark's save percentage dragged down by Maryland a little bit last weekend. The face-off dot, I think, is going to be the bigger key, though. It's not like Andrew Traer, uh, or Tier. I don't know how to pronounce that, it's not like he's lighting the world on fire, but he is sitting there at 63%. Now, Johnny Richie USA, because that's his name. It's not Rakusa. It's Richie USA. Richie USA was doing much better until he got absolutely destroyed by Weirman last weekend. But this is going to be a battle. I think if Syracuse can split at the dot and both goalies play well like we expect them to as they have so far, I think Syracuse wins this game by a goal or two. If Syracuse gets waxed, at the dot, I think Carolina wins this game by a goal or two. I'm going with my heart. I'm picking Syracuse by a goal or two at the Carrier Dome, but I have very little conviction in that. I'm, that's just I'm a homer, and that's my team. I think this is as, as close to a 50-50 game as you can chalk up, and if Cuse gets waxed at the faceoff dot, if Johnny Ritchie USA can't come away and win half the draws for Cuse, we're going to probably lose this game. And, and I mean, I say that even though we we lost almost all of the faceoffs to Maryland and still hung with them, it's just I don't think Maryland and North Carolina are all that different in terms of makeup overall. I think Maryland has a much better defense. I think Carolina probably, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot here, but I'm going with Cuse by a goal or two, and I'm going to shut the hell up on that one. You guys can all chirp me in the comments. Harvard and Bucknell. I, I, I put this one on here because Bucknell is not a terrible team. Bucknell thus far, one and two. They beat Mercer. They lost to Robert Morris. Okay, so maybe Bucknell's not that great. They just got waxed by Richmond 18 to five. But what this will tell us is how is Harvard? We're not sure right now. After Harvard came out and they got absolutely destroyed by Virginia in the first half, they came out when Virginia took their foot off the gas and scored a boatload of points to make that game look respectable by the end. I'm curious to see how Harvard's going to do against a Bucknell team. They're scrappy. You know, Harvard should be able to beat them by 5 to 10 goals, but this will be a gauge for us. Can Harvard beat the pants off Bucknell like Richmond did, or can they not? Can they or can't they? I'm going to take Harvard. I figure it'll be a 5-7 to seven goal game by the end, and it needs to be for them to be able to kind of keep pace here and stay in the rankings. Where are they? Are they even ranked right now? Harvard is unranked. You've already seen a lot of the Ivy League teams that came into the season ranked. Brown, Harvard, they're all unranked here at this point because they haven't impressed thus far. All right, we've got Delaware hosting Villanova. I, I put this one up here because, man, Delaware, I, I – think very highly of Delaware here. Where did my poll go? I lost my poll. I'm going to bring it up here. Lax factor forward slash poll. 
There was a little bit of quiet dead time there. So yeah, I feel really I, I'm I'm high on Delaware. I, I only have Delaware at 14, and in the poll they're actually ranked 10th. So I'm apparently not as high on Delaware as the rest of the media is, and that's only because I haven't beat anyone great yet. So this game here, this is a big one for me. If Delaware can beat Villanova, who plays everybody tough for the most part, they lost to Yale what 20 to 14 here um, on Sunday. I think it was. If Delaware can beat Villanova, then I'll be a believer, and I'll probably bump them up the pole a little bit, depending on what some of these other teams do, especially if Syracuse beats Carolina and Rutgers. I'm going to bring my poll back over here. If Syracuse can beat Carolina and Rutgers loses to Loyola, then that opens it right up for Delaware to pop right up into here. So that's that's going to be an important game for Delaware. That attack, J.P. Ward has been great, 8-9 and nine so far in the season. Ty Kurtz, 13-3. and three. And Mike Robinson has not been playing. I, I didn't see it. Yeah, see, he's only played in two of their three games. He did not play, I, I don't think, at all in their uh, win last weekend. So they need to get Mike Robinson back. That's going to factor in this game too. Uh, if Mike Robinson's playing, I like Delaware to win this game. Without Mike Robinson, I think this might be a little bit closer. Goalie-wise, Will Vuitton, feels like Will Vuitton's been at Villanova for quite a, quite a time. Not great. And Matt Kilkiri has been playing good. But like I said, Vuitton's uh, resume so far includes Yale. Delaware's resume for Kilkerry so far includes Lafayette, Mount St. Mary's, and St. John's, so it is not the same. So I think this should be an incredible game, though, and I think Delaware wins it. Big surprise. One to two goals. I think we're going to have a metric shit ton of really close games in this one. This one's important because, once again, Syracuse played Vermont. I picked Vermont to win the America East. Brown was a team that everybody thought really highly of coming into the season, but most everyone now has completely bailed on them. After everyone ranked them in the preseason poll, all of the media members have completely just ran from them uh, completely here. And then, and and maybe that's for good reason, because like we said, you see they lose to Quinnipiac and then they beat Providence, you know, but not handily. What was it? That, that third quarter that they pulled away, I think, in. So... Another just a good gauge for Brown tells us where Brown will be. Another really good gauge for Vermont. I actually like Vermont in this game for one reason and one reason only because I think otherwise these teams probably match up pretty closely, but I think Tommy Burke's going to be the difference here. Now, Matthew Gunty, to be certain, has played well so far in Brown's first two games with a 60% uh, faceoff percentage. He's won 24 of 40, but Tommy Burke is him. 49 uh, wins out of 74 attempts for a 66% uh, percentage and you know 26 ground balls. So I think Tommy Burke is the factor in this game. If he roasts Gunty and company at the faceoff dot, Vermont wins. If he doesn't, this is going to be a ball game. And when I say roasts, I mean if he wins 60% plus, my mouth is getting dry. If he wins 60% plus, Vermont wins this game. If he wins 60% or less, I think it's a close game and it's going to come down to a goal or two. But I think the way Vermont played offensively uh, last weekend, I think that Vermont's going to take this. I think Burke is going to deliver. I think that the Vermont offense is going to deliver. I like Vermont by two or three goals in this game over Brown uh, at home. High point Navy. Now, Navy here has struggled a little bit. Uh, they're three and one, so so keep that in mind. They beat Mount St. Mary's, Queens, and Hofstra so far, but they have not won those games by a convincing margin. I mean, the, the game against Queens even was a slow roll to a 19-5 victory. Mount St. Mary's gave them some trouble before they won, and then Hofstra gave them a ton of trouble. Then they turn around and lose to Manhattan. So despite 
this Navy, you know, despite having like Patrick Skalniak on midfield, Navy has came in having one of the better first line midfields in the country. Xavier, our line has played very well uh, on attack so far, initiating for Navy uh, after, you know, playing in his first season last year for him. I liked Navy coming in here, man. I had them ranked. I had them, you know, I think I had them as my 19 team or something like that in my preseason poll, but this loss to Manhattan has uh, completely turned me on them. Did I even have them ranked? Let's see. Nope, that's not what I want. I want the poll. Did I even have them ranked this week? Uh, 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 uh. Nope, I bumped them. I did bump Navy from my poll here. I, I forget why, because they at that point they hadn't, did they, had, had they already lost? Yeah, they had already lost to Manhattan probably. Let's see. No, they didn't. They, yeah, they were 3-0, and but I had them. Oh, no, no, no. They lost to Manhattan on Saturday, so that's why they got bumped from my poll. So, boom, I'm an idiot. So, anyway, this game against High Point's important. I think Navy's going to beat High Point. I think Navy, Navy's going to beat High Point by a, let's say, a 2-4 to four goal margin. It should be more than that, um, but they just have not been playing great. You know, I say they haven't been playing great offensively, and, it's, and I only say that because you look at here, I mean, they should be scoring more goals against Mount St. Mary's than they did. And I think they should probably have, maybe not, maybe it's defensive problems. I haven't watched any of Navy's games. We had the Hofstra game on uh, on the side at one point, I think, over the weekend. And then what do we got going here for goalkeepers for Navy? So let's go back down here and let's check out. Nope, wrong game. All right, let's check out the goalie situation here for Navy. So Parker Green's been decent. Parker Green's a streaky goalie. He can he can have a game where he'll he'll stop 70% of his shots and then he'll have a game where he'll give up all but 30 or where he'll only stop 30% of his shots. So that that could be a problem. Navy's been splitting time I think b- between these two goalies and I haven't understood it because one of them is playing a lot better than the other. So I haven't really and look at they played four goalies so far in their games this season. So I don't know what's going on with Navy there and then at the faceoff dot here both teams are middling overall. I think the athletes for Navy win this game for them in the end. I think our line is going to be too much for high point, the high point defense. I think that first line of midfielders, including Skalniak, is going to be too much for high point. But once again, I don't think this is going to be a, a blowout by any means, and Navy is on the road and, and with a short turnaround here. So I think this is going to be another one of those one or two goal games, but I do think that Navy will pull it out against high point. Navy just has to start clicking. I think Navy's got to start playing better defensively overall, because if you look at what they've done, they've given up a few too many goals, I think, to each team they've played thus far. So I think they just need to figure that out, and they probably could be okay in the Patriot, but the Patriot League is a really tough draw this year. So Navy, Navy's chance of winning the Patriot with each game they play, my belief in them as having a chance to win the Patriot goes down considerably so far every week they've played. Uh, no oh man, I've been talking a lot here. Johns Hopkins hosting Utah. I like Hopkins in this one. Tim Marcel looked human in uh, Hopkins' last two games. I think he's going to have a better game here. And then I think Utah just, you know, flying halfway across the country. I think that they're just not going to be now be there. Now, one thing for Hopkins is they're not healthy. Uh, I believe Melendez and Jealous, even Marcel, are all banged up. So the outcome of this game depends on do they play, and if they do play, how are they feeling? I think that even without them, I think Hopkins has a chance. Even without – if all three of those guys don't play, Hopkins is in trouble. If they're just banged up uh, – and why I say I'm afraid they may not play is I had heard in the tailgate – podcast the inside lacrosse tailgate podcast that they all had head injuries potentially that melendez may have had a head injury and that angelus and 
um, uh, Melendez may have as well as um, uh, what's his name, uh, Merciel or yeah, the goalie. So if they play, if they're healthy, even if they're just banged up, I think Hopkins wins this game. Once again, I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think they'll win by three or four goals. If any one of them isn't playing between Angelus, Melendez, and uh, Marcel in cage, I think that that's going to drop it to about a one or two goal Hopkins win overall. If all three of them play and are healthy, they could win by three, five, seven, you know, you name it here overall, but it should be a good game. Should be a good game because I think that Hopkins is going to be banged up. But th- and and for Hopkins, let me let me just go back to that one real quick. For Hopkins, because I don't think they're going to be able to win the Big Ten here. I mean, in terms of their at-large bids, okay, those are two good games, but they're going to need Georgetown to pull their heads out of their asses and actually win some to get you know some quality points for that via the RPI. But then you lose to the other two ge- teams that you play. They've kind of got to win these two games here because if they can beat St. Joseph's, that gives them a quality win. And then they got Virginia, Cuse, Navy, Delaware, Michigan. Like Hopkins, despite that 2-0 start, they've got to put it together and win some games here. Potentially, they got to win their next two games because this schedule does not relent on them. I think the only other easy game, there is no other easy game here. You could say maybe Michigan, maybe Navy are the easiest games on their schedule other than this Utah game right now. So tough schedule for Hopkins. They need to win against Utah this week. And if they don't win against Utah, you could start sitting here saying like, okay, Hopkins is not back and they're going to have a hard time finishing above 500 um, from this point on. St. Joseph's and Providence. I like St. Joseph's in this one. I think St. Joseph's will probably win three to five goals. If you had asked me before the season started what I figured this score would be looking ahead, I would have been like, ah, St. Joseph's by eight to ten. St. Joseph's, while very good, has not been putting up, a, they haven't been lighting the world on fire by any points in their, by any stretch of the imagination. You know, Sacred Heart, they should have beat by that, and even that, I think, was a slow roll to a 12-goal win. Towson has impressed thus far, and that was a very close game with uh, 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 St. Joe's picking that up by three goals here, but they've got a rough stretch here, too. I think they need to pick this one up and start three and oh because then they got Hopkins and Penn after that and then they get into kind of the weaker Drexel St. John's before then playing Duke Richmond you know so those will be two tough games for him very important game here for St. Joseph's but I do expect for them to handle their business and start the season three and oh we're going to call it three to five goal win for St. Joe's because they haven't been lighting things up but uh you know I'm just waiting for that offense to have a big day and go out and beat somebody up pretty good and then other games that we have going uh, Fairfield and Sacred Heart tonight. Eh, I don't really care about that one. Stony Brook hosting Air Force. That should be a good one. I actually like Stony Brook at home on that one. Richmond Towson is going to be a big game. Both of these teams kind of were trying to figure out, hey, Richmond, has have they fallen off or are they have they only slightly fallen off? And Towson appears to be improved as well. So that should be a very good game on Friday night. Mount St. Mary's and UMBC. Army. They just need to beat the pants off Mercer, and I think that they'll do that on the road. Uh, UMass Lowell, Siena, no one cares. No one cares. Lehigh and Cornell. I think Cornell's going to handle business at home. They're going to need to win some faceoffs against Sisselberger, though, and look much better defensively. Lehigh will not be chumps, and you can expect for the Sisselberger to win them a bunch of possessions. So Cornell's defense is going to get tested in this game. I should have talked about this one, but that's going to be a, a big game for Cornell here. They're going to need to win that. Uh, Drexel and Albany. I like Albany overall. And I'm not, these aren't going to my picks. The, the, the picks are the, are, are the games that I talked about specific on the screen. I'm just rattling off what's going on here. Penn State, Yale. 
I think Yale's going to win that one, but I expect Penn State to be more pesky than some would think in that one. Hobart and Colgate, upstate New York rivalry. That should be a good one. I like Hobart in that. Hobart? Hobart. I like Hobart in that one. And uh, I'm just trying to make sure I don't miss any games. Marquette playing at Michigan. That should be a good test for Michigan. I like them in that game. Oh, I should have talked about this one. Boston U and UMass. I like Boston U in this one, but UMass, I actually have them ranked in my poll thus far. I've got UMass sitting here at number 19. So Boston U, this is a big game for them. If they can beat UMass, I probably bump UMass out of my rankings and I let Boston U sneak back in again here. And then Sunday's games, Villanova-Delaware, I did talk about that one. Uh, Let's see. That's it. That's all we're going to talk about, guys. So that's it. Like I said, though, back to selling apparel, baby. So you can come to laxfactor.com if you need reversibles. You need shorts. You want shorts with pockets? I can do that. You need a dope reversible, one-ply reversible, two-ply reversible. I can do that. You need a custom design, and you don't want someone to charge you a ridiculous art fee? Oh, yeah. I can do that too here. So please go to laxfactor.com, contact me, get a free quote. I'm doing the design, all this crap here. They are being manufactured in the United States of America by Americans, for Americans, and other American allies um, that I don't mind doing business with as well because uh, I love all our allies. But yeah, you can see here, I don't do bad work. You know, So you can see these designs, these are solid. Now, you, know, you, could, you could say maybe the color scheme there on the narwhals, that might be a little bit rough, but that was what they wanted. Here is a shooting shirt. Now, these aren't the exact cuts. These are my old patterns. I'm using the new manufacturer's pattern, so the cuts will be a little bit different overall, but the designs are, are still going to be high quality. You can see here what we did for the Special Forces club team or whatnot. So all dope things. Go to laxfactor.com. Support us that way, and I will be back on Sunday for the recap show. I, I like I said, Friday shows. I'm, I'm not. I, if I do anything, I'm maybe going to do a live stream on Saturday mornings. I'll let you know. But the only solid, I will never miss a day shows unless I'm hurting or sick or something. It was Wednesdays in the morning and Sundays in the morning. So Wednesdays we will recap games from Sunday through Tuesday, and then we will preview the games for the weekends. And on Sundays it's a full blown Saturday, Friday and Saturday review show. So that's it. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Go to laxfactor.com. Get all your team gear from this guy. And I've got two thumbs and Hoost is out. The Lax Factor Podcast.